0: In the summer of 2008, uh, on our, uh, our, our family holidays follow a bit of a pattern. It's load the car up and travel around some part of Europe. So uh, 2008, we ended up in a part of the former East Germany um, and visited uh, a place called the Wartburg, a big castle. I hope you can uh, maybe get a, a slide of that. Hopefully i will come up soon. Um, It's near the town of Eisenach, as I say, which is in uh, Thuringia in the former East Germany. It's a castle with a a long and illustrious history, uh, famous for a number of things, for people who are into that kind of thing, but mostly famous uh, for the time that Martin Luther spent there when he was the leader of the German Reformation. There it is. So it's, it's the early 1520s, just a few years after uh, Luther had nailed his 95 theses to the uh, door of the church in Wittenberg. He had been to the Diet of Worms, and he had been, like some of this stuff's great, isn't it? Just the language, the Diet of Worms. You, you've got to know what, what that means, but I don't have time to, to go into that today. He's been to the Diet of Worms, he's been excommunicated, from the church, this is a really big moment. It's it's more than just you're not allowed to be part of our church anymore. It puts him actually at grave danger. Um, so when Luther was coming away from that gathering, that Diet in Worms, he was he was kidnapped. He was kidnapped for his own safety by a protector of his, Frederick the Wise, and Frederick the Wise brought him here to the, the Vartburg. And he stayed there in disguise under the name of Junker Jörg. Uh, Junker Jörg means George the Knight. And if we have a photo of him there, I didn't know this. Luther was the first hipster. I mean, look at that beard. He, he was 500 years ahead of his time. Um, so the church leaders had um, managed to excommunicate Luther. They had him... Hidden away in a castle, uh, there was a moment there where I'm sure they were delighted. They, they maybe thought um, we've we've finally managed to to silence this guy, this this radical new theology that he's been teaching. This following that's been gathering up around him, he's become a huge threat to the church, and now he's gone. He's nowhere to be seen. Maybe we've finally. Uh, Martin Luther out of action Luther was in the Wartburg only for 10 months from May of 1521 until March of 1522 he might have been out of sight and out of mind but he hadn't gone away he hadn't been silenced in fact he was raising a sound that was going to change the world The danger to the church hadn't passed because Luther was doing his most dangerous work of all. It was during his period as Junker-Jorg there in the Wartburg that he locked himself in a small room. This is a photograph I took on our visit there in 2008. And he translated the New Testament from ancient Greek into modern day, everybody can understand it German. There have been lots of translations of the, the Bible, but Luther's was the one when it was printed and when it was published that went through the nation and through Europe. Luther had dropped the bomb, he'd wrestled the Bible back from the church he'd taken it from Latin where it had been for almost a thousand years beyond the reach of most common people and he translated it into the everyday language of his fellow countrymen he'd taken it from the priests and given it to the people ten months work that changed everything forever this morning we're going to think about God's word, its importance, its power, and then an invitation for us to read it. We're coming near the end of this book of Deuteronomy. Um, We've spent our first eight weeks in the first section of the book, um, chapters 1 to 11, Moses' opening speech. We've spent the last three uh, Sundays dealing with a middle section of the book where a variety of laws are spelt out. So you might, you might remember that we talked about choosing true worship, choosing true leadership, and then last week, choosing true community. We now come to the third and final section of Deuteronomy, chapters 27 through to 34. And it's really wrapping things up. It's like a a closing speech from Moses, a bit of a record of his death. And we're going to do that over these next couple of weeks today and next Sunday. Today we're going to think about an invitation to choose the word of life. And then the, the last Sunday we'll wrap things up. Don't choose death, choose life. So let me show you very quickly, you've got your Bibles open before you, we're going to spend a few minutes just looking at the text. I want to show you an emphasis on the Word of God in these chapters. We're just going to just going to move through these. If you pick up Moses at 26 verse 16, he's concluding here this long section of laws. So he's been talking for 15 chapters about a whole load of laws, and then... He, he really spells out to the people that he's been reiterating the law that he first gave them on the plains in front of Mount Sinai. Look at what he says, verse 16. The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. You've declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you'll walk in obedience to him. That you'll keep his decrees, commands and laws, that you will listen to him. The Lord has declared this day that you are his people, a treasured possession as he promised. That you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame, and honor, high above all the nations he has made. And that you'll be a people holy to the Lord your God, as he promised. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. You're going to be a treasured possession. That's what he said to them. This might be ringing bells for you if you've been here throughout this series. We talked about some of these things. He wants, God wants to set his people up for his, set them in praise, fame, and honor before a watching world. It's amazing. What does he want them to do? To be people of his word. There's a thing going on here that I don't want you to miss. So if you flick to chapter 29, you'll see that the NIV heading there talks about renewal of the covenant. Very quickly, those opening verses of chapter 29. These are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites in Moab. In addition to the covenant he had made with them at Horeb, that is Sinai. God's effectively saying to Moses let 's reestablish the covenant that I made at Sinai with this generation. We, we made that covenant. things haven 't gone great since then let's let 's just say that that's still on i 'm still their God, and they are still my people let's let 's reestablish that one more thing in this moment when he 's reestablishing the covenant. Moses wants to make sure that God's word is right at the heart of this relationship that the people have with God, right at the center of the nation's life. Flick, flick with me to 31 verse 9. So Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years... In the year for cancelling debts, during the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he'll choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your towns, so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God, and to follow carefully all the words of his law their children who don't know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess kind of hard to imagine gathering a whole nation every seven years to hear uh, the law, I I don't know just how much of the what we would regard as the law the first, uh, the books of Moses would have been read at that moment but But the the desire is to make the words of God the constitution of the nation. To make this the big story by which the people of Israel lived. Do you see the lengths Moses is going to to get God's word at the center of the people's life? One last passage. And this is kind of our theme verse for today. If you flick to 32 verse 47. Here we get to see why Moses does what he does, get get God's word into the center of the nation. He tells us really, I think, what he thinks of God's word. He's just been commanding the people to obey God's word, to pass it on to their children. And then verse 47, he says this, talking about God's word, these are not just idle words for you, they are your life. I remember earlier this year when I was doing my reading through the Bible with some of the guys in the church here reading this passage and I just thought, wow. Not just idle words. They are your life. I'd never seen that before. I'd never seen God's word described in these terms. This made me want to It was one of the passages that made me think, right, I I want a a look at Deuteronomy. I want to to preach this. We're going to spend the rest of our time this morning thinking about the importance of God's word and its power. And then I'm going to invite you to to read God's word as we go forward into 2018. The importance of the Bible, the power of the Bible, and an invitation to read it for ourselves. (laughs) First of all, the importance. I've mentioned this before. Um, It's probably something that we demonstrate in our ongoing life here in Kirkpatrick, but I want to just spend a moment to to speak about this because it seems to me more important than ever that this becomes a a real feature of the dna of our congregation some years ago willow creek a huge church in uh, america that you may have heard of near chicago after they'd had years of explosive growth they did a very courageous thing they said yeah we've grown in numbers have we grown as people have we grown in depth And that takes courage. They found out that they hadn't grown to the extent that they would have liked. Uh, They they wrote up their research. It, It makes for an interesting read. But among other things, here's what they found. They said this, Nothing has a greater impact on spiritual growth than reflection on scripture. They said, if churches could do only one thing to help people at all levels of spiritual maturity grow in their relationship with Christ, their choice is clear. They should inspire, encourage, and equip their people to read the Bible. Particularly to reflect on scripture for meaning in their lives. So... If these guys aren't wrong, I think they researched hundreds or nearly a thousand churches. Um, it's quite a. It, it sounds right from the point of view of the research, but even more than that, it sounds to me intuitively right. It looks to me like they had come to the conclusion that, that Moses was right. That these aren't idle words, they are our life. So we're talking here about the importance of reading our Bible. There's simply nothing better that we can do than to spend time reading God's Word. I've been, this This has really surprised me, I've caught a wee bit of a Reformation bug this year. I, I'm not very much into systematic theology or historical theology those of you who, who are here with me would know that i'm not constantly quoting the 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 reformers or the old guys in the church but i did i did think right i'll have a go at reading calvin's institutes if you know calvin's institutes it makes my bible look like a pamphlet it's it's a big sort of beast of a thing but I've only started it I'm not claiming to have read it but I have started reading it and right at the start it talks a good deal about God's word and here's what Calvin says it's impossible for any man to obtain even the minutest proportion of right and sound doctrine without being a disciple of scripture he says you can't know God if you aren't in the Bible and it gave me pause to reflect. I thought, goodness, that's a, that's a big claim to be making. And as I thought about it, I thought, it, it, it's a big claim, but, but, it, but it feels right. I wondered if I know any mature Christians, people who really inspire me, who really make me want to run after Jesus, who aren't people of the word who haven't immersed themselves in God's word. It's because of the importance of of these things that our Kirk Session recently, when it did a bit of work around its purpose and vision and values, made the Bible one of our key values as a congregation, one of only eight values. Let me read from the opening paragraph of our vision document where we spell out the importance of the Bible in Kirkpatrick Memorial. We said, reading and teaching God's word is central to all that we do in Kirkpatrick Memorial. As a Kirk Session, we want to protect this primacy. While the teaching elder plays a key role in maintaining and developing the primacy of the Bible in our congregation, it's also important that the elders take care to ensure this focus remains. At Kirk Session, our decisions are often the result of discussions Based on our purpose, vision, and values that have their roots in the biblical revelation. So there it is—the importance of God's word. I want to think with you for a moment about the power of God's word. It, it changes the world. It brings new worlds into being. If you if you just open the first page of the Bible and start reading you find a really interesting thing happens God just says stuff and the world is created the pattern very very simple and God said you know let there be sun moon and stars and it was so and God said and it was so he says it it happens he wills it it comes to be it's Kind of like a a deliberate reference, I think, to Genesis 1 when John, the gospel writer, begins to tell us about Jesus and describes him as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And John tells us how this Word of God came and lived among us. That child born in Bethlehem, that we're going to be focusing on. That man on the cross, that's the word of God. The will of God made flesh. You see, God didn't just create us by his word. It was through his word, his fleshly word, that he saved us. So God creates us and saves us by his word, his spirit uses his word to change us too if only we'll allow him I told you a while ago about uh, a new hero of mine, John Emmes the congregational pastor a character in the, the book Gilead by Marilyn Robinson old John is a man of the bible, he's been reading it and he's been preaching it all his life At one point, Lila, his young wife, he he remarries in old age. She comments on the place of the Bible in old John's life. She says, the Bible was truer than life for him. So it was natural enough that his thinking would be taken from it. So gentle and so profound. Whenever he thinks now, he thinks the Bible way. He thinks the the God way. His whole mental world has been shaped by this book. This word of God. They're not idle words for John Amos. They are his life. Some of you had a chance last year um, at our evening services to come along to our Reframe series, uh, which really was a a wonderful opportunity for a, a big Bible overview. I love what Rick Watts, one of my professors from Regent Day, said in that course. He said that the goal of Bible reading is to inculcate God's story in you so deeply that when something happens to you, you just intuitively react with the character of God that's revealed in the story. You don't have to think about it because it's who you are. It's so deeply inside you, it's just where you come from. I love that. Whenever that starts to happen, then we know that the word has started to become our life. That's all very interesting and very inspiring, you might say. But does it work in real life? Could or would reading the Bible have any impact on me? Well, a number, a number of us at the start of this year, about forty of us, uh, decided we'd have a go at, at testing that. Um, 40 of us decided we'd have a go at reading through the Bible, just showing up, just letting God speak to us, see what he had to say. We called it the Community Bible Experiment because I think we knew in our heart of hearts that a lot of us wouldn't make it, that we wouldn't read the whole thing, and we weren't sure what would happen if we did. I can now report 12 months later, as we come towards the end of that, that Only some of us, uh, I should say some of them, did make it. I didn't read every chapter along the way. Uh, Among all of us who have tried, good things have happened. First of all, most of us are saying that we read more of the Bible than we would have if we hadn't taken that step. And that's a good outcome. Many of us can say that we've been changed Uh, by the experience just now I'm going to invite uh, Claire and David a couple of guys who've been on the the community bible experiment to come and share a little bit of their experience we're going to ask them a couple of questions guys if you come up at this point give them a round of applause and thank them for coming to (laughs) Uh, questions I want to ask you guys are very simple tell us why Um, why did you have a go at this Okay. Um,
1: I, I had two main reasons the first was to just understand the Bible better than I did last year um, and the second was to improve my uh, deepen my relationship with the Lord
2: um, basically I, well for certainly all of my adult life I hadn't read the Bible and a lot of my Bible reading had been the children's stories which I'm now reading to my kids so I needed to knew a bit more about what was there right.
0: guys a second question um, I've already explained that we, we thought we could have a go at reading through the whole bible um, there's no big no big judgment about how well people got on with that, how, how did you guys get on with that um, well
1: uh, I'm maybe more fortunate than some here, I'm, I'm uh, busy in retirement rather than busy at work, so that gives me more time so uh, yes, I have fallen behind, but I had a danger, danger uh, voice in my head every so often. Every every three days, if I wasn't up to date, I spent the time to get up to date. So uh, I may be the church swat, but I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm up to date as from yesterday.
2: <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have let him go first in on that one. Um, I have failed miserably in reading at all in the year. I have to say, um, and I know there's still. I don't know, 20 days, whatever it is left in December, but I will not complete it in those 20 days. But I have read more than what I read in the past 18 years, so hey presto, that's all good for me.
0: Brilliant. Um, This last question, we're, we're thinking at the moment about how reading God's Word changes us. If you could share something that struck you that felt... Important that changed how you see God, how you see yourself, or how you want to live? Um, Just a change. Okay. Um,
1: I I think I have been reading the Bible in times gone by as uh, looking for something to help me in my circumstances and in my life. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But this year, um, it's been different. It's not about me. It's been about um, God. So I have learnt things about God's character I have learnt things about God's plan for salvation so that when I pray to God about how he might do things differently I've kind of realised, hold on, God has had a plan for thousands of years and I've had plans for a few years and maybe uh, my view isn't, maybe the the right view Um, so I've had that sense that when you read your Bible and you read about these great characters in the Bible behind those there's the Lord, so I started the year trying to think about how does the Bible all point to Jesus, which is what we're told, and I probably couldn't couldn't figure that out. But what I could figure out was how God was behind all the stories in the Bible, if that makes sense.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Um, S- step forward a wee bit, Claire.
2: Um, basically, whenever I started doing it, I was like, writing notes but it was more what had been happening so then when I maybe didn't read it for a while or did a chunk of New Testament instead of Old Testament it was like a review of what was happening but as the year went on I those notes very quickly changed to what it was actually meaning to me and what the Bible was saying to me as opposed to just a basic account of what was there so um, I quickly learned that things will be done in God's time, and I'm a little bit of a control freak. um, But I'm trying to sort of step back from that and say, do you know something, it's not me that's in control, it's God that's in control.
0: So that's what I've learned. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, Folks, we're going to work around the congregation and bring everybody up in future weeks to (laughs) just ask how. No, no, we're not. No, we're not. Keep coming. It's all right. Um, Give these guys a round of applause. Thank you, guys. Okay, the importance of God's word, the power of God's word. Lastly, for a few minutes, an invitation to read it. Okay, I need to say this so that I don't have a bad week of feedback and emails. If you're somebody who's reading the Bible and it's going swimmingly for you, don't don't shoot me if I give people a hand who aren't reading the Bible and it's not going swimmingly for them, okay? I'm not getting at you. If you're reading really well in 2017, God bless you and read better in 2018, you know, catch up on your emails for three minutes here while I talk to the rest, okay? I want to talk for a few moments about how we could actually do this. I've grown up all my life in churches where we talk about you should read the Bible, you should read the Bible, you should read the Bible. But I don't remember often people taking much time to help me to get started or get back in So that's what we're going to do for a few moments. Somewhere in the pew where you're sitting, or in some of the pews, I'm sorry we ran out of these, we have a thing here called a Bible reading trail map for 2018. See if you can get your hands on one of those. Some of the front pews, I'm not sure, got them. Uh, I want to pay tribute to Stephen and thank him. Stephen's not here today. Uh, Stephen, who works with us here in the church, he did most of the work of putting this little document together. Uh, Let me explain it very quickly. Um, what What I am hoping is that everybody in our church could try to read the Bible. Okay? I know we're not all reading the Bible, and I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with it, but I understand it. Uh, I want us to be reading the Bible and that's what this is about. So the truth is, we can't all do the same thing. We are so very different. Some of us have been Christians and reading the Bible for 50, 60 and more years. Others of us are here and we, you know, we're only trying to find out what this is all about. So we can't all set off on the same journey together. The metaphor is, is arriving at a forest park with your whole family, all the generations from the toddler to granny in the wheelchair. You can't all go on the same walk, or not easily. It's going to be a very uh, curtailed sort of a walk. So you can imagine a scenario where you look at the trail map. Uh, You know at the car park there's a trail map and it shows you that there's different options you can go on. So there's a, a green trail for beginners, there's a blue trail where it gets a wee bit harder, red trail's pretty substantial, and the black trail's for nutters. Well, that's, that's where we're going with this. So if you have a look through that booklet, by the way, I printed off 150 copies of this today. Um, What we will do is we'll print more of them. We'll also send them out with our our weekly email this week to make sure you're only waiting for it a few days if you didn't get a copy today. Um, if, If you take a look at that booklet for a moment, you'll see, as I say, that it begins with a green trail what we've done here is we've said, what's the easiest way to get into reading the Bible? We, we went back to very basics. Do you know when we stand here and baptize our kids, we give them a Bible each? Well, we're saying, don't forget about those. If you've got children, start reading the Bible with your children. Get those off the shelf and start using those again. There are other resources Uh, on the green trail that can be used with uh, children or that uh, children can start to use themselves as they get a bit older. By the time you get into the blue trail, it's more teenage and adult stuff, um, but it's still relatively simple. Um, It also wouldn't be... The stuff on the blue trail generally doesn't need a huge time commitment. Okay? So David was very helpful there. He was very honest. He said, we're at different stages of life with time. So let's not all imagine that we're in the same boat. So the Blue Trail, I think if you're an adult who hasn't been reading the Bible, you need to have a look at that part of this wee brochure and see if there's anything there that catches your eye. Different resources that you could try out. The Red Trail uh, is an invitation to some uh, deeper and further Bible reading. And by the time we get to the, the Black Trail, um, if you're a mountain biker, you would know. The Black Trail is the one where you have like a 50% chance of breaking a limb. You know, you, you need to have access to the nearby hospital. You need to know a good risk assessment on that. Just th- this is This is pretty hardcore. This is, for example, reading through the whole Bible in a year again. Or there's another one we're putting in there this year called Book by Book where we'll take 12 big books of the Bible, and we'll take a month to read and study each one. One last thing to say about the, the Black Trail, a couple of those ones we'd love to offer some accompaniment, that is groups of people who will do them together, a bit like we did with Community Bible Experiment this year. So when, whenever you're signing up, do let us know if you want to do either the Community Bible Experiment 2018 or book by book. It's all, it's all here in the wee leaflet. I've mentioned sign up there. This is, this is weird. I don't know what you'll make of this. I want you to consider signing up to say I'm going to read the Bible in 2018. Not because I'm going to chase you. I'm not. But one of the bits of feedback I heard with the community Bible experiment guys is that there's something about making a choice. Something about recording a commitment that can be very helpful. So we've got sign-up sheets out there in the (laughs) vestibule. There's room for over a 100 of us to sign. What you do is you put your name and you tell us which trail you're going to choose. And if it's one of these particular ones, you tick a box and we'll be in touch with you about it. It's just a way for us together to say, right, long enough... Of not reading and engaging with the Bible. That's over. I'm coming back. And I'm going to start. One of the key uh, objections or frustrations people have with reading the Bible is time. I get that. I, I, I think we live in a very busy, busy time. Just one thought occurred to me. Set of scales. The minutes that I spend on TV and social media pop them on one side. And then the Bible on the other side. There's a wee bit of time there, all right. But we've gotta gotta take some of it. There's a quotation, I'm I'm closing up here. There's a quotation from Calvin that I find very helpful at this point, uh, again from the Institutes. He says, It's better to limp in the way of Scripture than to run with the greatest swiftness out of it. Well, I'm a limper. But I think I'm beginning to understand what he's talking about. I'd rather limp in this. And just tear on in my life without it. Folks, we've been talking today about the importance, the power of God's Word, and have invited you to think about. But by the way, I've deliberately called that 2018. You don't have to start this, still a few weeks. Bit of time to think it through, make a good choice, use the time, pull that out this afternoon and start thinking about that. I want to finish by telling you about a a conversion experience that I've had probably just within the last year in regard to all this stuff. I grew up in churches that um, were very committed to the preaching of the Bible. And I'm immensely grateful for that. That's my heritage. That's who I am. That's why I do the work that I do. Because I believe in the importance of uh, a teaching ministry at the heart of a church community. So when I became a minister, that's what I wanted to do. So I thought that this, what I'm doing here today, standing at the front and preaching once or twice a week, preaching sermons, that that was enough. That that was what I was supposed to do. I've changed my views. I no longer think it is enough. By the way, I want to keep preaching and getting much, much better at it than I currently am. You could pray for me in that. But what I want to do that I haven't been doing much is start to invite you to read the Bible for yourself. To show you that these aren't idle words. They're not curiosities. They're not things you come along and to watch me talking about. It's God's word for you. 500 years ago, a maverick German monk sat in a small room in a castle. And he did some work that changed the world. He took the Bible and gave it to the people. We need that same reformation today. So today's the day when I'm giving you the Bible back. If I've done anything or we've done anything here that's given the impression that this is ours and that it's up to us to to curate it, it's up to us to oversee it, I, I apologize and I say, here it is. Have it back. These are not idle words for you. They are your life. And because I want you to have life, I want you to read God's word. Let's pray. Lord, um, what we have thought about here today may not be new to most of us. But Lord, it's certainly a challenge to many of us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see that when we don't listen to you, we don't live life. When we aren't in your word and attentive to what you're saying to us, we aren't living the life to the full that you intend for us. Lord, I pray today against any spirit of um, judgment or any spirit of despondency around this. Lord, there's no need for that. You're all goodness and grace. Lord, what I do pray for is a a kindling of a flame. Lord, the, the birth of an appetite that we might become people who no longer want to live without hearing you every day. Lord, come and help us to choose the word of life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.